0: So warning, there's an abrupt end to this message, and it's sooner than you might think. I'm beginning to preach the message that I had prepared and then stopping it to lead us into prayer. So not just my voice, but your voice today and inviting us into what it means to be resonant with the early church whenever they would gather. Uh, Repeatedly through the New Testament, we have some snapshots, descriptions of what those early church Gatherings were like, uh, probably not in a room like this, because oftentimes it wasn't free to gather publicly and declare Jesus as King, Jesus as Lord, because Caesar was Lord. So they did so secretly often and in, in homes. But when they came together, this was a rhythm for field church for a long time, each one brought some form of offering, a prayer, a psalm, a hymn that they would sing, or a word that they felt like was impressed upon them for the good of the community. And here we have a reminder from the prophet Joel and from Peter, who says, This is what it's all about. This is the fulfillment. Everyone in those days will have the Spirit of God, young and old, rich and poor, men and women, servant and master. Every, the Spirit of God will pour out upon all, and they will give utterance, they will prophesy, they will make known here's prophecy they will make known what God is revealing. Sometimes that's as simple as God's word is impressed upon me. His, his actual word, his scripture from, from of old. And I believe it's new today. That's what Peter was doing. He was declaring it new and fulfilled. That, that's, that may be prophecy. Making known an old promise that must be received anew today. It also may be a new word that is, you might describe or feel like is, is imperative or a burning that, that we must know. I'm not sure if that will be true for us today as we interact in prayer, but I want to hear from the Lord, and I hope you do too. And if there's a sense of, I believe that this is a word for the church today, perhaps you would be led to share that. Perhaps it's with those close to you before it's brought forth to the broader community. I want to be sensitive to the Spirit today and create that space for us to interact with the Lord. Perhaps it's a, a note that you would send to me or to one of the elders and say, I, I, I'm uncertain if this is a prophecy for the church. Maybe you wouldn't even use that term, but as I describe it, I hope you sense as we are people filled with the Spirit to hear from God, to be reminded of his promises, to believe he is present and with us today and has a word of encouragement. Sometimes it comes with conviction. This must change. We must repent. All of it will come with an encouragement to draw closer to the Lord. No condemnation, no guilt. The voice of the Spirit brings encouragement and conviction together for us that we might grow and be more like him, be encouraged, be empowered. So perhaps there will be space to do that from young and old. We wanna be a church like that. So there's your prep. You have the prompts before. You've probably already been reading some of those, but I will give space for you to interact with that, and to respond in prayer. And I'll guide us through that a little bit, and hopefully the Spirit will guide us the rest of the way. So here's the beginning of the sermon, which I intend to probably finish up next week, if possible. What happens next? The Spirit of God comes. That's what happens next to God's people who are faithful to continue to gather together, to search the Scriptures, to pray, to break bread together, and to wait upon the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been trying to do in these spaces, and in life groups, and in other spaces as we gather these months. The Spirit of God comes to those who doubt, to those who have uncertainties, to those who are grieving, to those who have experienced loss, to those who know brokenness in relationships, and to those even who are experiencing fear. It seems like we can resonate pretty easily with these early followers of Jesus who are striving to be faithful, to gather together, to pray, to search the Scriptures, to wait upon the promise that Jesus had given them not too many days before. The Spirit of God will be poured out, and yet not knowing God's timing or the way. They have the what, but not the how or the when, and that can be very difficult. These are people also that are deeply concerned about what's happening in their world, what everything has meant these past few years. They're in fear of what could happen to them to continue to proclaim Jesus as Lord, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Acts 2, 1. The they we looked at last week was about 120. And we said, why weren't there hundreds more at this point? After the risen Christ had been revealing himself to, Paul says, up to 500 he had made himself known physically in the flesh after rising from the grave. Why were there not hundreds more? And We considered what was happening in the city at that time. Their football team was playing an early game. Oh, so sorry. There was a feast. There was a a celebration happening in the city. It might be a stretch to say it was like their their Mardi Gras, uh, but there was singing and music and dancing and wine and, and good food for a week in the city. This was the Feast of Weeks. This was the beginning of the harvest festival. Not too different to the way some of us might celebrate harvest festivals or October fest because the harvest season is done. The work is done. The harvest is coming in. This is the provision for the coming year. And for God's people, God has provided. He has been faithful. We have worked hard, but he has been faithful to grow. The harvest is coming. We are going to celebrate. And God told them to celebrate. This is a gift from God to celebrate. So this is happening in the city every day, various parties and festivities and gatherings. Imagine that. We get some glimpse of that with certain times of the year, festivities and community gatherings and celebrations, and they're wonderful times. If you have an alternative invitation to come into an upper stuffy room and to pray and to wait upon something unknown... Maybe it starts to make sense why there were just a few gathered in that place on that day when a festivity was happening, a festival was happening, one of the the holy days of the year, Pentecost, for God's people. Why were there people from every nation, from various tongues? Over the centuries, Jews had been scattered through various times of exile and, and turmoil across what they would have said to the ends of the earth, across Asia, and across Europe, and they had grown up in those places, learning those customs, learning that language. But it would have been on uh, any Jew's list. It would have been on their bucket list to get back to Jerusalem, at least for one Pentecost, because that's a party, as many would travel even to a Mardi Gras celebration. Perhaps some came every year, but some made it one time a year. If you got wind of, the, of, of an upper room prayer gathering with a small group of maybe extreme Devoters, devoted followers to this Jewish rabbi Jesus or to remain in the city check off the bucket list and celebrate or probably sleep in the next morning we start to understand maybe why there was just a few and not so many more hey after Pentecost I'm with you I'll be there and so often we have that same response hey when when life settles down when, when there's not so much to do <laughs> I'll be with you. I really will focus in on my, my faith and my growth and my community. We can resonate. It was clearly the more important gathering, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like celebrating the harvest of God with community, singing even worship songs, declaring God's goodness. That feels pretty important. Sadly, those that chose the revelry missed the revival. Those in the streets that day that were filled with wine, certainly. Those in the upper room were filled with the Spirit. Ironically, they were accused of being drunk. We heard that read. Because as they're proclaiming all of these languages, it sounded like babble to those, for most, that were hearing in the room. And perhaps some making the accusations were themselves drunk or still from the evening before. Peter got up and clarified for all what was actually taking place. It's just nine in the morning. I'm not sure that was a great excuse, but it's a nine in the morning. They're not drunk with wine. And Paul later would pick up on this irony. We read it last week, Ephesians 5.18, do not be Drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit is literally the analogy he makes. Be being filled up to overflowing influence. Really, so that you're less and less in control, not of mind and tongue, but less and less in control, and the Spirit is in control of your life. Give it influence. Be being drunk with the Spirit continually. Just as wine has influence only for a time until it is tasted again, So with the spirit we are to pursue. Peter clarifies for them what is happening. And he says, it is an ancient promise being fulfilled from the prophet Joel. Hundreds of years before. This is what's happening today in our midst, he says. Very powerful. Joel 2.28 says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So they didn't know the how or the when of the coming of the spirit, but they did know the what if they knew their history. And they clearly did, at least many of them, as Peter got up and quoted it from memory. For us today, what does this mean? We, we don't need another Pentecost event. That is our history. But we do need a fresh filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. That is always true for the church and for God's people. is for the rhythm of being filled to know the Spirit and to walk in Him and His power, that He would be with us. This is God's desire. It's the whole storyline of the book, that God would be with and able to commune with His people, to fill them, transform them, convict them, empower them, and to send them into the places he calls to make him known. This is the what. Here we are in a place of, again, asking when and how. When and how will that look today for us, for Union Hill Church, and perhaps for the broader church across our globe with the current state of the church and the world? When and how, Lord, we have the what. We know what we need, and it is you it's your spirit again. It's what we were just singing. A, a fresh wind. There's so many ways to describe it, and they can be poetic, and they can be beautiful. They can be in song form. They're throughout the Psalms. A, we might say today, as we sang, a fresh wind, a fresh pouring, a renewal. Lord, come. But the what is him, that he would be with us. The spirit first came with wind and fire. doesn't mean he will do so again, but the first coming of the Spirit was with wind and fire. What happens when you combine wind and fire? We know all too well in these parts of our world, in this season that we're in. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, languages, as the Spirit enabled them. So here's the abrupt ending of the message. I, was, I had the message mostly written and was continuing to meditate on it on, on Thursday as a, a typical rhythm for me. And just reading that again, a passage that I have probably read hundreds of times, a passage I've put to memory, and I immediately got emotional Earlier that morning, I was watching some of the imagery of, of Hurricane Ian coming across. And, and just both the awe, this is a truly an, an awesome event, to use that, that, that word, I hope, more correctly than maybe sometimes we otherwise use it. The power, the force of nature, relentless, seemingly unforgiving. Uh, certainly, humanity is resilient but in the path of that, of that hurricane, it changed the la- literal landscape and people's lives forever. So seeing some of that, how do you, how do you engage with that when it feels like maybe, maybe from the Northwest, I think some of you probably have experienced some pretty intense storms, but for me, never experienced it in, in a hurricane. How do you engage with it? How do you, is it just, it's just another storm. It's just another tragedy. Our, our world is both <laughs> burning and flooding at the same time. And our eyes are open to all of it in a way we've never seen before, too, in this, in this social media age. And I got emotional just hear, reading again this phrase, suddenly, the sound like a violent, rushing wind. And some of the footage of the reporters, and you could almost, I could almost feel the, the uncertainty and the fear in some of those reporters. I, I listened to a couple of them that said they had, they had covered one, one said 30 to 40, and one said over 120 hurricane events. And he said, I've seen nothing like this. The sound, and they kept cutting to the sound of the relentless wind. And I got emotional just thinking about how quickly life can change, how our, our world is, is simultaneously burning and flooding in drought and deluge, and how that is also a metaphor for the social and political and economic unrest and uncertainty and fear and changing landscape and sometimes violence and force that it feels like our world will never be the same. Especially for those that are most vulnerable or marginalized. Some of the pictures of of the recovery that was already starting to take place, although there are certain places in Florida where you can't even access anymore. But some overhead aerial shots of the multi-million dollar hotels and homes still standing. They'll have lots of cleanup to do, but they'll get back to business. Right next to communities completely washed away. Mobile home or older, older homes that just could not withstand the force. And I felt like that picture was also such a, met- very real, certainly, and for those that have their life changed from it, our hearts go out to them, but a picture of what's happening in our world in so many places. The secure, the wealthy, the powerful are relatively unshaken. This is a season of, of interruption and they're frustrated and annoyed by the work and the unsettledness and the higher gas prices and inflation, the cleanup that's gonna have to come. The pandemic mandates, which are all but over, but still influencing. And then the other part of our world and our society that has been devastated. Lost everything. Broken. Washed away. And this is the world that we're in. And I just got got emotional. I dwelt in that place. And I felt like God was asking me to lead us into a place like that, without trying to recreate an emotion. That's not my intent. But to recognize that we are a people who live in the world and are called to be citizens of heaven within it, to be salt, to be light, to have eyes to see as Jesus looked over Jerusalem closely before his crucifixion and wept for the city, knowing full well that another week-long festival was coming, would happen largely in ignorance to what he was about to do. Life would go on for the Jewish people, but wept over the state of brokenness within the city, always saw the poor and the hurting and the marginalized, never turned anyone away, went even in pursuit primarily of the sick and the hurting to lay his hands upon them, that we are meant to be like this in our world. Followers of Jesus, faithful, faithful, So here's the prayer prompt. We can have those words on the screen and on the card. You may have a journal or a notebook or use your device to record your prayers. There's not much space on those cards. You can write on those if you have a writing implement. Or you can just ponder and reflect and pray. It can be a simple response. God, as I look into the world, I see. And you can put one or two words. Or you can write a paragraph. What is God inviting you To pray, God, we need you. How do you finish that statement? God, help. Maybe that's a help for those more immediately affected by the hurricane. Maybe this leads you to family or to friends or even for yourself. And then don't miss gratitude. With all kinds of prayers and requests, with thanksgiving, we're called to pray. So be grateful. God, I'm grateful for. And God, I believe you're saying to us, I believe I hear you. What is he saying? That's what I would love for us to receive. We may not have that answer. We don't determine when and how God speaks. We may have a scripture. We may have a promise that stands the test of time. So use this space. Catherine's gonna come and give some music. As you feel led, take take some quiet to do this internally and however you want to jot or note, because I will invite you to share with those near you and and use this maybe as a time for your own devotions or for later with your family. But I will invite you to use this space to, to share or even to pray briefly together over those statements. And then I'll invite us into our life groups to use this as a prompt, again, a way to pray. And I believe God will speak.